1: finishing up our movie brats, uh, series. We've been watching, uh, movies basically from the directors who are in the movie brats series. Although we've only watched Francis Ford Coppola and Brian De Palma this time around. I've seen all of the Scorsese films, seen most of the Spielberg films. I've seen most of the Lucas films. I'm missing, uh, TH, whatever it is, THX. Um, And I always forget the other dude's name, but he didn't have many movies. John Milius. Um, But we're here tonight to talk about Corey's final pick, Dressed to Kill. uh, Another, again, Brian De Palma film. Um, Before we get into our review, we'd like to check in with each other real quick. So, Corey, how are you doing?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I am quite well. Um, You know, uh, it's summer break but it doesn't feel like it anymore because it's like school is fast approaching and so i'm in this weird anxiety uh purgatory where i just i feel like i should be working but i also feel like i'm still on vacation so i shouldn't be working so i'm doing like nothing um i say that but i'm covering the fantasia international film festival so i've been watching movies from them and uh writing reviews uh which are up at dot com.
0: nice are they horror
1: they are mostly uh their genre, I think is how they like to market themselves. Um okay. but yeah, they do a lot of horror and sci fi. But they they do other genres. Um but uh this year they're they are not online except for critics. Um Oh you, interesting. Yeah, you gotta be uh in person at in Montreal, Quebec, um, in order to actually see the movies that I'm watching uh from home, which is interesting. Um because uh they were the first festival that I covered post COVID that like had their stuff together. Um like they had a pretty solid uh screening process going on, um, which a lot of the other festivals have now really upped their games and uh, this festival hasn't, but they've actually pulled everything offline except for critic stuff. So it's it's been weird. Um I like the festival a lot. I, I really wish they had stayed um, the hybrid format so that people who aren't able to uh, go to Montreal could have watched some of these movies right now. But hopefully listeners, you'll have an opportunity to see some of these films uh, in the future. Um, but uh, before we get into Dress to Kill, Corey, you picked this movie. Um, did you like know anything about it when you picked it or uh, did you um, just pick it because you hadn't seen it?
0: Um, so kind of a little so when i was looking up like the directors and i was having a hard time really finding a lot that i haven't seen and also i tried i try when i pick movies to find stuff that you haven't seen also i know that's not like a parameter had you already seen this i had not okay perfect i thought that we had discussed that and you had not i know that's not a parameter for us but i like when you know you're not having to watch another movie again because you know um so that kind of helped me whittle down my choices because i've seen quite. you've already seen all those and i mean Mm. there are a couple or a few i'm probably missing there um and then i haven't seen all of spielberg i'm sure but i've seen you know
1: yeah, I I have just a few gaps on his list, and there are movies that I'm not eager to jump into. I, yeah.
0: Um. So that's kind of how I did. And then I'm pretty sure this one's on Criterion, too, which mm-hmm. we both should know better. That should not, you know, we shouldn't be like, oh, quality, because we've been burned before. Not yeah. saying that's what happened with this movie, but. Maybe I shouldn't really hold that in as high a regard as I do. <laughs> um, but here we are. That's how that's how this happened.
1: Well, you can't account for subjectivity with Criterion is what we've learned. Like, obviously, just because we don't like something doesn't mean it's not liked by other people. But, um, yeah, using it as a blanket, oh, it must be good, definitely has not always worked out. Uh, I-, I watched this on HBO Max, which is, I think, how you watched it? Yeah. So I I thought it was um, especially interesting uh, to have watched it through that because it was a TCM film. um, And uh, I assume you saw the TCM intro when you watched it as well.
0: Loved that. I wish they would do that before more movies.
1: TCM usually does that with their movies. I have not watched a lot of TCM stuff on HBO Max, so I don't know if other ones do or not. But like, I just saw the uh, fiftieth anniversary of Cabaret in theaters this weekend. Oh, Um, and it was a fathom event, but it was brought to you by TCM, so they had uh, Ben Mankiewicz was there to do his presentation. I always love that. I love the little historical context that they give. Um, This movie, I was really happy that I had the historical context um, for a lot of reasons. Although I do feel like a little bit of her intro. I don't remember her name because I have not seen her from TCM before. I know Ben Mankiewicz because he's always the guy at the Fathom event once. Um, But uh, she did kind of spoil some of the movie, or at least she, she made a very clear reference that this movie was inspired by another movie that I know very, very well. And so I was able to like see a lot of it coming. Um, But uh, I, I, thought the context um of this was important because uh listeners dressed to kill is a controversial film um it is one of those things where uh i don't think any cinephile can look at this movie and its process and not be awed by its creation as a film if you're just judging it for like the technical aspects and storytelling um it's very very well done and it's undeniable i think in that way the problem comes in with elements of the story specifically at the time period um, where uh, I'm looking at the synopsis on IMDb, which by the way, I should break down the synopsis. We usually do this. Um, The movie uh, Dressed to Kill, as I mentioned, is directed by Brian De Palma. Um, It has, uh, it's also written by him. It stars Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, Nancy Allen, um, Keith Gordon, Dennis Franz, who's in a couple of other uh, De Palma films um david Margulis, uh i think those are your big people who are in it throughout um the synopsis on imdb says a mysterious blonde woman kills one of a psychiatrist's patients and then goes after the high class the high class call girl who witnessed the murder um which even that feels a little spoilerish but you know if that's what's the the general synopsis this is a uh 1980 film so it's it's you know been around for a minute uh 42 years um which is insane to me that that's case uh which oh, it sh- should have been easy because i will be turning 40 here in two weeks but um nevertheless the the element of the film that is hard to talk about without spoiling is also the big problematic element um but Let's let's talk non spoiler for just a minute. Uh, We'll get into that warning um, about the content in the spoilers just in case, listener, you haven't. But no going in if you haven't watched the movie yet and you're thinking, "Oh, I'm going to go watch this movie." There are some things in the film that will probably upset you or be bothersome um, by today's standards, especially. But even then, I think uh, people were offended by some implications that the film uh, makes that definitely is wrong now. And I think most people, I want to say most people now, I feel like I can't cause I, there's clear evidence to the contrary, but many people would be like, this is not an acceptable portrayal of this type of character at all. And it does more harm than good in any way imaginable. Um, And more often now a film would not do what this movie does. That said still, we still have a lot of issues in today's time, even with the subject matter. So um take that with the go in knowing that there's some triggering stuff in this movie uh it is a sexual i think the term is erotic thriller um and uh if you don't know much about brian De Palma, know that he is uh very much influenced by alfred hitchcock a director who any film nerd of course loves but i am in particular a big fan of and have studied many of his movies and taught several of his films, including the one that is the biggest inspiration for Dressed to Kill, um, which is why I, Corey, loved this movie. Um, getting past those troubling elements, but I loved watching De Palma's take on a movie that I adore. And um, I found it very interesting, uh, some of the choices and, and seeing like the change in time period because this movie is 1980 um you have a lot more freedom with the uh, the mpaA is is now the the focal point and so uh the the film code is different. It's something that Hitchcock was you know choked by which we talked about that with when we reviewed frenzy a while back where frenzy was kind of seeing Alfred Hitchcock oh. untethered how yeah. twisted and dark he was able to go with frenzy uh, something he could not do in his earlier films like at all it was not allowed to do. De Palma doesn't have that restriction and so you get a much more it's like Frenzy meets Psycho in a lot of ways for Dress to Kill. Um I I did I I think the movie is really impressive in a lot of ways. The storytelling is compelling. Um again, I having seen Psycho as many times as I had, I was not surprised by any of the things that happened in the movie. Um but I still I still thought uh as a study because again, Gus Van Sant um, remakes psycho in the nineties, um, like a shot for shot remake essentially, although that's not entirely accurate, but it was a, a a very similar film, like a real recreation. This is not a recreation of psycho, but it is definitely like, you know, in a parallel version of psycho, like it's, Closer in vain to, like, Joker being a combination of Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy. Except this is made by a competent filmmaker who actually has something to say. Oh. Jab it, Todd Phillips. Um, so, so, I liked it. Uh, you picked it, though, so I'm curious. Um, I could see this movie being severely upsetting, uh, and maybe you regret picking it. I'm not sure. I'm curious. What were your thoughts?
0: Um, so I... Uh... So I don't have all the technical jargon or all the film, whatever knowledge that you have. Um, But so I just, you know, I just come in here and I do what I do. So um, I have seen Psycho. I've seen both versions. Well, not both versions, but I've seen the Gus Van Sant and the Alfred Hitchcock probably. Like in I think it's been since we've lived in our house, so probably the last five years, I think, um, and it's like i I know the story, and I think I know like what you're kinda pointing towards, so I'm interested talking about that, but i there I do like that the story didn't go where I thought it was going to go, um, there was a particular scene that I thought that I had it all figured out, and then that is not what happened at all, um so I enjoyed that. I also like that we're really rooting for the people in this movie you wouldn't think you would root for, I guess. Um, I There are things that I like about this movie, but then there are some things that I'm just like, why? Why? So.
1: So, like, I'm thumbs like, up, thumbs down.
0: Lukewarm.
1: Okay. Um, okay i this for me uh has made me want to really dive into De Palma a little more um i i i'd heard he was a big fan of hitchcock um i saw it in blow up uh i sorry in blow out and now i really saw it here i mean this one was again blatantly obvious and it um i i guess i included part of the spoiler the comparison to psycho was made in the tcm uh thing and i was just like well okay um I have now I I now am going to be looking for certain beats to happen. Uh, Psycho again, a film that I've not only watched several times, but I've taught several times. So it's a film that I've like read about, studied, broken down, uh, explained to had other people talk about. It's a film that I know in and out. Um, So like watching this was like I was looking for uh, certain things to happen. And man, uh, a lot of them do. Um, In fact, uh, Patrick Willems, who is a uh, YouTube uh, film essayist, uh, I'm a big fan of his review style. Uh, He has a one sentence review on Letterboxd that says, "Uh, what if psycho, but way more perverted and problematic? So
0: yes,
1: that's exactly what this is. Yeah, um, it's a 1980s version in that way. I think it it hits a lot of those those tropes, um, things that I think some of the stuff in this movie, I think Hitchcock would have done in a heartbeat if he was able to but you know wasn't and uh there is something again having only seen a few of De Palma's movies I've seen Scarface I've seen Carrie Mission Impossible which is so different than the movies that we're talking about just now uh and then Blowout and Dress to Kill um De Palma's got an interesting way I, I haven't seen Carrie or Scarface in some time uh Scarface I've only seen once I think I've seen Carrie twice maybe but it's been a minute for both but dress to kill and blowout open with like scenes that you're not like remember blowout opens with like a serial killer like pov sequence that you at first i was like is this the movie but then it was the movie that they were making in the movie right like it was this whole like meta commentary because
0: this is not what i read
1: (laughs) exactly yeah it was very thrown and then um dress to kill opens with a sequence that seems very real at first um it's very sexual and it's reminiscent of the opening of psycho um psycho opens we see the city and the camera uh pushes in through the window and we meet um uh, our our main character who is just finished she's getting dressed to leave after having sex with her boyfriend who's like they're not serious yet but she wants to be serious and it's very scandalous. And it, it's, again, there's no actual sexuality in the scene because it's the 60s. Here, w- a woman is taking a shower, um, looks a- at her husband, and starts really enjoying her shower. Only for it to become a dream sequence. Um, which isn't clear at first that it's a dream sequence. But it, it, it becomes very clear that it was a dream sequence. And so I, th- I think DuPont has got, like, an interesting, like... I'm going to break my, the reality of my film. Cause that's not a, he doesn't really do the dream sequence throughout this film. It's not like he's setting up a language in which he's going to do this. Just I a, can't say everything, yeah. uh, he, but it's, it was, it was a jarring opening because I thought at first it was like, man, the parallel to psycho. Cause even there's a camera move where it pushes in through the bathroom door and we see her in the shower and it feels very much like it's post coitus. Like they are, uh, he's shaving, she's showering, Uh, And I thought we were getting a very similar setup of that dynamic of the relationship because again, TCM had said it was psycho. So my, I'm instantly looking for parallels. It's not that, but it is an interesting way to open this film that again, won't use this storytelling mechanism throughout. Um, But it does kind of introduce us to this woman and her desires and her needs um, that are not being met by her husband. But um I think that's probably we we need to get into spoilers. So let's let's do that, Corey.
0: Guys, from here on out we are gonna talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned.
1: What I almost tripped up on just then, uh, to spoil is the movie bookends the dream sequence, right? Like we start with a dream sequence yeah. and then we end with a dream sequence. Um which is a nightmare though, versus like the sexual dream. Although I guess NSA, it ends as it ends funny. as a nightmare because she gets murdered in her dream, which you know it's a weird foreshadowing she's
0: right back in that she's back in their bed yeah right okay
1: um yeah it it's it's a wild uh opening scene um very very uh graphic um like nudity like i mean she is uh angie like dickinson is
0: so awkward like why does it need to be 10 minutes long <laughs>
1: like it, it's a we pretty got long point. sequence, yeah.
0: We got the point. Like, I don't
1: know. I mean, the movie's not even that long. The movie's only 105 minutes, like, and yet that scene does feel like it's it's there for a long time.
0: Well, um, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a prude. I'm not like, I feel like sometimes people just, you know, oh, Walmart. But, you know, I just felt like it was very long and drawn out for what it was.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, De Palma, I don't know. He's got a very uh, distinct style that I I found it, it fits this the genre of erotic thriller. Right? Like there's a lot of sensuality, there's a lot of sexuality. Um, there's not actually a lot of sex.
0: No, and the funny thing about that is that the act. Well, nah, nah. I was gonna say the actual sex is like. You know, it's I don't know. It's very interesting because that is much less graphic than like her fantasy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think that's the right word.
1: Well, and um, Nancy Allen is its not Nancy. It's Karen, isn't it? I always I keep messing up the sisters. Um, Karen Allen. Na- no, it's Nancy. Dang it. Nancy Allen, who's also in uh, Blow Up, Blow Out dang it i'm gonna get something right um and robocop of course that's where i know her. oh she's in Carrie, also man she was just in all of the diploma big movies early um i wonder if he wanted her for scarface and then got Pfeiffer and said i'm gonna have to do oh. some research um because like scarface is after blowout right yeah yeah it's a couple years after blowout so would have made sense because she's in carry then dress to kill then blowout And then she ends up in Robocop in 87, but man, like, it seems like she would have been the logical choice to be the girlfriend in Scarface, um, given how he was using her in these movies, you know?
0: How did I not realize she was in Carrie? She plays Chris, like, I just don't know how I didn't realize that, but.
1: Not sure, but um, I really like her in this movie a lot. Like, I liked her in Blowout, but, like, here she gets similar type of character except in blowout she's kind of like a ditz and here she's like she has a purpose and she seems very smart and while she's still a prostitute she doesn't seem like she's a high class prostitute i think is where i read from imdb um yeah, I'm yeah like she's not it's not the same exact character but um she comes off as very intelligent uh michael kane i i love michael kane um he's really good in this. Uh, But we got to talk about the, the problematic part of this movie. Um, And this is also true. And this has been a criticism of psycho as well. um, That it portrays the, the killer as is in psycho. I don't think they use the term transgender, but he is dressing up as a woman because he believes he has become his mother as well. He has like split personality, which is no longer called split personality. It's, um, I'm going to forget the actual term that Split talks about. but That's now the term for that. But Psycho deals, that's the explanation to why he dresses as a woman. It's not because he wants to be a woman, but he's become his mother because he killed his mother. Spoiler for Psycho, I guess. Sorry, listener. Um, Here, they explicitly say he's trans. He's wanting to become a woman, but the transsexual side of him, Uh, his masculine side is blocking it. Anytime, um, he becomes aroused though, the trans, the woman side of him takes over. It's very problematic. It's very wrong. And it, it creates, it paints a negative picture of the trans community. Something that is already hard enough to deal with. Uh, our society has not been accepting of trans people and this movie does not help in that process at all. That is the big problematic element. Um, the TCM, uh, if you watch this on HBO Max, you'll get the same intro that we did with the TCM. And I think it does a really good job of laying out the issues with this particular portrayal. Um, and that is the thing that doesn't age well. Um, and it, it's not the only movie to do that. Uh, Silence of the Lambs got criticized for a similar thing because um, Buffalo uh, Bills Buffalo, Buffalo Bill is, is kidnapping women, killing them and making a suit out of their skin. Um to become a woman like it it's this portrayal of that mental illness as a threat as a danger to society and Which,
0: i mean also buffalo bill is based off of ed gein so uh,
1: yeah i mean like again i i don't think uh i think the criticism of silence of the lambs is not been as harsh this movie it's hard to make any arguments that it's not it's not problematic. I don't I don't yeah. have a way of arguing that this character oh no, he, he has to be that. Um and the most egregious ripoff of Psycho that this movie does is the psychiatrist explanation at the end of the movie. Um as much as I love Psycho It what sounded
0: th- like if I had given, you know. Uh uh-huh. like I don't know, like obviously someone who isn't a psychologist giving that explanation I guess.
1: Well, so the end of Psycho is the the psychologist explains uh why why Norman is his mother, like explains it. And like it's Hitchcock going, "In case the audience didn't get it, I'll explain it to you." And we get that here and it is it is so similar a sequence. Um it's not quite as long. The monologue isn't there, but he, we do get the psychologist explaining things. It's alluded to early. I kind of caught wind of it um early i i knew it was michael kane like from in fact the second i saw michael kane was in the cast i'm like he's the killer um just because Why of did the, you know? the well one he's too big of a name uh which he's not too big of a name here but he has established a career um but i'm looking at the rest of the cast i'm like none of these other people could be the killer like no one else is famous here um two because of the introduction the tcm introduction laying out parts of it and then i'm like oh so the the killer is going to be a man dressed as a woman and i'm like oh the, and she, she said something about the twist and i'm like "Ah, oh, it's gonna be michael Caine. he's gonna be the killer um and uh even actually i'm familiar enough with michael Caine that the still image of the the killer I was like, that's Michael Caine in drag. Like I can tell, um, like immediately can tell that that's Michael Caine. He has a very distinctive bone structure in his face. Um, And so again, they don't say it in the TCM intro, but for me, I was like, I'm like, if I had gone into this without that intro, I would have not suspected it being Michael Caine. I would have thought it was maybe a woman Um, because it's not until like the midpoint, you know, that we get, it's him. Um, him having the conversation Again, you can pull a lot of uh, psycho elements out of this. We hear Norman talking to his mother. Um, like, actually, she hears Norman talking to his mother from outside. But no, w- what we later find out is Norman's having the conversation with himself. So the phone call with Bobby, I was like, that's that's him. You know, it's obviously him. And not obviously to someone who isn't, like, looking for it. I was looking for the comparison to Psycho because of the TCM intro, which... Again, a movie I've studied enough that I'm like, well, I get all these beats. Um, well, but go ahead.
0: I'm glad that you liked it, in spite of that.
1: Yes, um, I did like it, and I I do think the problematic elements are problematic, and I think if it to me, what you have to know going into this is that it's not an accurate portrayal of gender dysphoria. dys dys oh. I I wish I could remember medical terms. I am so sorry.
0: Gender dysphoria.
1: Is it dysphoria? I think... Well, uh, which... So, I don't think the movie ever says gender dysphoria, but the... uh, It is gender dysphoria. But um, the the TCM intro did use that because that is the now accepted term. Um, And this movie is not sensitive to this at all. And it definitely makes it like, ah, this guy must be crazy. And it's 1980. So homophobia is at a high. There's all, all of that is, is embedded in the, the, the groundwork of this film. And I think it's always important to remember context. When you watch an older movie, the culture was different. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't make it acceptable. And if you go into the film, knowing that this is wrong, this is inaccurate. This is not the movie's attempt of explaining something in a way that is scientifically concise. It's still going to be a bother, but you can set that to the side and watch the film for what the film is doing and what is done. Well, Um, this is not an attempt of a documentary. It's a, 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 I mean, even Ace Ventura, pet detective, mind you folks, like, what is it? Uh, 14 years later, there's a, there's transphobia built into the story of that movie. Like, it's things like that you don't think about all the time. But, like, I, I just rewatched Clerks 2 this week. Um, I haven't seen Clerks 2, but I don't think since it came out, pretty much. Like, I it, it was never one of the Kevin Smith movies I rewatched a lot. I probably saw it maybe t- two or three times total, where like I've seen Mall Rats like 40 times. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny, but there were like two sequences where I was like, man, I can't believe Kevin decided to write. Like there's a whole joke about the phrase porch monkey in that movie that I remembered, but I didn't remember like them dropping the N word several times in reference to it. And I was just like watching it and I'm like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable with this. Uh, And again, it's contextually, it it makes sense why the character, because he's not saying it, to say it he's saying it as though he can't say it but he's still saying it and i'm just like okay hold on like i i don't i didn't remember this and not that it was acceptable in 2006 when it came out but it was it's way more jarring now i was
0: just about to say it's still very jarring when yeah you know
1: but it and, and i'm just movies have made mistakes is i guess my point and they they i think we should note them um we should not make movies that continue to do those mistakes like if we're we're looking at a movie now and going hey this isn't okay we should not then make a movie that does it again because we are acknowledging that it was wrong but this movie does exist and um there's a lot here about filmmaking that i think is important i think the palma's style and work is very strong I think the cinematography is impressive at times. There's some really cool sequences. The use of mirrors in this movie is phenomenal, which again, the TCM intro pointed that out and I was definitely looking for the mirror use, but man, there's some really cool shots in this film. And again, the idea of duality and stuff that's built into the mirrors and stuff.
0: And, um, so we did start with that dream sequence that we didn't know was a 10 minute dream sequence while she's having sex with her husband, which is apparently terrible. We hear, um, when she goes to see her doctor, Michael Caine. Um, But there's another part in the movie that I wasn't sure if it was also a dream sequence. Like, if she was having another fantasy. I was just like... Yeah. Um, Where she... I'm so very confused on something. So, she goes to the museum. She's supposed to be meeting her mother-in-law for lunch. But she follows this man and they like follow each other throughout the museum. And then they get, she follows him out to a cab and he drags her in. And then they do some very naughty things in the cab and the cab drivers watching and all this stuff. And I was thinking, is, is she like zoned out in the museum? Like fantasizing about this? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, it, it it just, because she seems like a demure, like, I don't know the right word to use for her, but she obviously doesn't, I don't feel like she likes to cause an upset. She doesn't even talk to her husband about the things that are bothering her. She just seems like a very kind of reserved, I don't know. So that scene didn't make sense to me for who she was, I guess, so far, what we knew about her. Um, and then she goes to his apartment and she falls asleep and wakes up sometime that evening. And all of a sudden, no one, like, it's just so weird to me because there's no concern that she didn't meet the people she was supposed to meet for lunch, that she hasn't touched base with her husband. This was pre cell phones. Um, You know, all these things are just, like, very strange to me. They don't seem right. And then she goes through the drawer so she can write him a note. And Mm. she finds the papers where he has been recently diagnosed with, yeah, with, you know, STDs. And then she walks outside. She finds out she left her wedding band. Girl, why did you even bother taking off your wedding band? I don't think that either of you cared. But Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, it all just didn't make sense. And then when she found that note about the venereal disease, I was like, it's him. He doesn't have, maybe he feels like he doesn't have anything to lose now. Like, because I feel like if you're a good person, you would let somebody know if you knew. And maybe you would try to be safe. But it doesn't seem like that was a safe Counter because she's upset and worried about it it was just all very strange to me so i was thinking it was him
1: you Um, know yeah i mean they definitely want us to think it's him at first um uh because of like the weird the, the i love the chase sequence they filmed with him uh with one him like following her and then her like flipping it and she's like following him and him like the, he's just always just out of reach. Like I really like the way they shot that um, like throughout the museum too. Cause the museum yeah. is just a really cool set piece. Um, but yeah, like uh, her, she, she, it's important to note though, that scene follows her basically telling her psychiatrist that she wants to have sex with him and him like twice. Does he tell the girl like, yes, I would like to have sex with you. I'm not going to because of my wife, but, um, yeah, like those, I was just like, okay, dude, ethics, like this is an yeah. unethical, I
0: but, wouldn't want to sleep with you because you're my patient.
1: Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but you should, you shouldn't say that you want to sleep with her, even if you're not going you're to, to divert. Like, Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. it's weird to just be like, yeah, yeah, I, of course.
0: And then, and then that all happens in her, in that guy's apartment building too. She gets murdered, you know? So yeah. I'm glad that I didn't see things coming and that I wasn't looking for stuff cuz sometimes that can really take me out of like I guess the experience but um yeah I really liked her son and then yeah. oh, what is it Kate what was her name in the movie No not that Kate is the wife Nancy Allen Liz Yeah I really liked Liz and Peter like teaming up becoming the detectives you know, well, mostly just yeah. Peter, but well, I mean, her too. And again, she's like seducing the doctor, not really. Yeah. But.
1: Well, she's she's working on it. She's trying to at least get him like distracted enough she can get his book. Yeah. But I like, guess what I'm saying, she's she gets to be a lot smarter in this movie than she was in in Blowout. I, um,
0: I just think that her whole character in this movie, even though I liked this movie less was much more likable
1: yes i agree with that completely um she's more or less the protagonist here uh like psycho we have a dual protagonist though um you have uh janet lee jamie lee curtis's mom in psycho and then she's killed halfway through the film so you get another female lead which is her sister um here you have angie dickinson's character of kate is our initial protagonist she's killed halfway through the the big difference from psycho is liz witnesses the murder uh kind of witnesses like the aftermath of the murder and then sees the killer making her the the next target um and then her trying to like figure out who's coming after her who's going to get her um and some fun twist uh, over the overzealous Dennis Franz police detective who's just a jerk um like i want to say that like, that's Uh, It's almost too Hollywood tropish, but it's become kind of uh, maybe it's a little more accurate than it should be um, where he's just like he's he knows she's a a hooker. So he's just using that as leverage to put her into dangerous situations. And then like later, he's like, nah, you were always okay. I had someone following you. It's like, yeah, that that didn't make her okay, man. Like it was a big risk. You played a game there. It could have backfired easily. But
0: yeah, we already saw that and blow whatever blow out.
1: Yeah. Oh Coming yeah, totally backfires her? and blowout. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll like I'll be was-
1: right there. And then he gets into a terrible accident.
0: No, you won't, John. Travolta. Um, yeah, I was
1: like, ow, I didn't do it.
0: <laughs> I know, and then I was like, It's kinda weird when you say famous people only their first name.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: sometimes. Yeah. So I didn't I don't know. I just felt like it was a weird movie.
1: Oh, it's definitely a weird movie, but I mean, Psycho is technically a weird movie too, right? Like it's, um, it wants you to be on edge. It wants to build suspense. It wants you to be uh, worried. And I feel like it creates characters that I cared enough about that I was worried. Like the idea too, I think with the movies like this is it does hold up a mirror to you and you have to kind of acknowledge your own disposition. Like, are you a, judgmental person like are you going to look at Kate and her choices and then be like well you deserve what you got cuz you slept with someone or are you going to be like well you were in an unhappy marriage you made a, a, some bad decisions you were going to be punished um because of the VD apparently you know very good chance she's going to get I was like
0: well she doesn't have to worry about telling her husband now that's terrible yeah, but it's terrible. like her her life you just see it on her face like oh my god what did i do
1: yeah and Um, And then again, here comes Nancy Allen. Like, are you going to be judging her because she's a prostitute like the cop does? Are you going to assume that she's an idiot because of this When, But then you hear her on the phone and she's like selling stocks and she's making, you know, like financial decisions. She's not just, you know, living and she's in a very nice apartment too. like,
0: yeah, um, she was
1: she's she's doing very well. And, you know, there's criticism that can be had maybe about society or maybe it's him going, well, how do you feel about this character? Do you think she deserves to be punished? Um, You know, uh, I I think all that's quite compelling. Um, You know, the only reason why uh, Michael Caine's character, Bobby, technically is after uh, Liz is because she's a witness, not because he's like judging her. Um, Later, it does become like, because of the we we're told that whenever he gets aroused it triggers bobby to come out um i guess uh again it's, that's what that, we we're told that's what we're told um so you know uh but like that's not that's why he goes after uh kate but liz the initial reason is because he's trying to, to cover up his tracks you know and that's um yeah it, it's it's a. Uh, a lot going on for sure but it's definitely a well-made and very compelling erotic thriller. Um anything else that you want to mention or add before we wrap up? No. So for me um I I think it's a it's a must-see film for film lovers with that big caveat about the the problematic elements about it. I think I really appreciate TCM having that intro. I think it it gives a lot of context and reminds us um art is problematic at times and it it you know addressing it knowing about it i think allows you to still dissect it and talk about it and again you can still condemn it um at the end of this you can look at and go, what's here is not valuable enough to to be justified and i think that is a, an argument that could be made um i think if you're looking at the career of brian de palma I think blowout is a much better movie overall, but I would
0: definitely suggest that one to other people, but I would have a hard time suggesting this,
1: but this comes before. And I think that's worthy of note. Like Fair. blowout is after this. So it's him progressing. It's him finding his own style, because again, this is him attempting to do a Hitchcock movie. And then I think blowout is him using those Hitchcock elements and becoming a Brian De Palma film. Um, like, I think we're seeing his progression and I think that's why it's worth watching. Um, if you're like me, if you're, if you're studying it academically and you like to see things like that, it's, it's rewarding in that way. So go
0: ahead. I was going to say, I'm probably going to make your skin crawl, but for me, I would say a decent watch.
1: No, not at all. Um, no skin crawling here. I I can totally understand that take. Um, there were the, Oh, there's another problematic element. I do think worth mentioning, uh, the portrayal of the black guys on the subway station, Um, who are apparently willing to rape a person in broad... uh, It wasn't broad daylight, but in the middle of, like... Everybody. Like, they didn't care who was around, basically. They were just, like, determined they were going to rape this girl. And I was like, come on. Like, that's... Like, I understand people will do some crazy stuff in front of other people with no fear of being caught. But that whole sequence, like... Even, like, even if you... uh, The initial interaction where they're like, ha-ha, why are you standing over here... But the second she runs away and they pursue, I'm like, too much. It's too far. That's not believable at all. Like, I don't believe that this would happen. Um, and so, like, that's another very, I think, negative, very negative portrayal in the mm-hmm. film that doesn't age well at all. Because um, they are way too persistent with that. It's just like, oh, is this what you think about Black guys, De Palma? Or what? What, like, what are you doing here? I, I don't get it. Yeah. So that's another less... It's a, it's one sequence and it's very, very, I don't want to say it's short. It's not short. It's, it goes on for a couple minutes, but it is, it is the only time it's referenced, but I was watching it like very like, Oh, okay. I don't, I don't care for this sequence either, but those, those caveats. So I definitely, I have no argument uh, to have with you about your decent watch rating. So folks, um, that concludes the movie Bratz. Uh, we still have some gaps from some of these big time directors. I have still a lot of uh, big gaps from De Palma that I need to, to catch. Um, for Coppola, I have pretty much hit all of his big ones at this point. But our next series, uh, we before we go to our next series, we're going to do a mint in box uh, palate cleanser. This is a movie that um, we one of us owns that we've never watched. And for this one, we're going to be watching Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Um, a movie that I've uh, been told many times I should definitely watch, um, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, John Leguizamo, all in the film. Um, I, I am very much looking forward to this. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. Uh, and Corey seen it, but as a kid has not seen it since then. So both of us are basically watching it for the first time. Um, that will be, uh, our next episode probably in two weeks, pending any kind of chaos, but you know, that's the goal um we thank you for listening we ask that if you uh want to share your thoughts on dress to kill or any of the movies that we talk about here on movie club that you hit us up on social media i am at burke reviews and Corey.
0: At Corey R star two r's on the end
1: and if you like what we're doing here at movie club if you'll take just a moment to rate and review the podcast it helps other people to find the show uh with that we say keep watching movies
0: hey this is matt from what i watched tonight Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director focus shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think.
1: This has been a Berk Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com